This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com, as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. And good evening, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Happy Wednesday afternoon to you. Hope you've had a good day. Weather's been kind of kind of crummy up here in the upstate. Our two-day Clemson vacation really isn't a vacation. It's a workcation. But we're up here for a couple of days. Love doing that here in the spring. We come up for basketball games, stay over for spring practice preview from Dabo Sweeney. And then in just a couple of moments, We'll be joined live here at Doug Kingsmore Stadium. We're in the baseball press box. The Tiger baseball team just wrapped up practice, and Coach Eric Backich will join us to talk live with us about the matchup with South Carolina coming up this weekend and his team to this point of the season, which is off to an excellent start. Should be a great weekend for baseball in Columbia as far as the competition. Not so sure about the weather. Forecast does not look good. We'll talk with Coach Backage about that. Also, Mark Kingston, live tonight at 735. We'll get his take on it as well. So I don't know if we're going to have baseball this weekend. Friday night, forecast is calling for uh, a ton of rain throughout the day and into the evening. Same thing Saturday. Sunday, um, overcast, but the, the rain percentage is down to 27% for Sunday. It's like in the 90s and 80s, Friday and Saturday. So, Cross our fingers, hope for the best, but expect the worst when it comes to the weather. Speaking of Clemson baseball, Pat Daniels back at our studio in Columbia. Good to have him back with us tonight. So you could hear this really all over the 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 area where the Clemson baseball field is, Doug Kingsmore Stadium. Could hear it way over at the football practice area. But when I got into the stadium, it was it was loud and clear, and um, they are preparing themselves. They are preparing themselves for what they're expecting to be a very rowdy crowd in Columbia. Pat, if you'd play what we were listening to here at Doug Kingsmore Stadium, this was blaring through the sound system as loud as they could play it as the Tigers were going through a scrimmage. bit of sandstorm in the background for the Tigers as they are preparing themselves for a, a rowdy crowd in Columbia. Hopefully that'll be the case. Hopefully rowdy at uh, Founders Park, uh, rowdy at uh, Segra Park, and then rowdy here on Sunday at Doug Kingsmore. It should be, should be electric. I just hope the weather 
will cooperate and let everything uh, play out as best as possible. I see Coach Vakic making his way over to us. He'll be with us in just a moment. John Combs at 7.05 will wrap up the high school basketball season with him. Semifinals are wrapping up today in Florence. Championship games begin uh, later on this week. in, in Florence. And the other big news today is it appears that South Carolina, according to reports by the Gaffney Ledger and others, uh, that uh, Shane Beamer has offered the receiver's job to Mike Furry, the head football coach at Limestone, and he has got a decision to make about sticking with the Saints or joining the Gamecocks as their receiver's coach. We'll talk more about that momentarily, but right now we are tickled pink, or should we say tickled orange? to be joined by the head baseball coach here at Clemson, Coach Eric Backich, just coming off the practice field. We appreciate you very much. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Phil. Appreciate it. Got to have a little background music there for you. There we go. Yeah. There it is. But I just played about 30 seconds of what you guys must have been listening to for two hours, Sandstorm. Yeah. I mean, you could hear it. I was over at football, and I'm thinking, that's how I hear roosters and Sandstorm. Where's that coming from? As I drove up, you know, I, I picked up on it. Um, what's your thought about that? Is it motivational or just to kind of get your guys ready for what they might be facing in Columbia? No, I, I think anytime you go on the road and you know it's a good environment, then you just try to recreate some of the sounds that you're going to hear. We actually do it with quite a few teams. We've done the Florida State uh, chant, that that uh, whatever they call it, yeah. the chop. Um, and we've, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll always do that. And we know we've got a, a great environment to go to this weekend and it'll be loud and that'll, it's part of the fun. Have you guys, uh, you and Coach Kingston, have you had a chance to talk about the weather situation to deal with possibly this weekend? I have not talked to anyone at South Carolina. We've talked with our administration. I think our administration has been in touch with some folks over at the, with their administration, looking at all possible options, but, um, yeah, no, it's it's technically their home game on Friday, so it's their call. Yeah, and then you're you're the home team on Saturday, of course, the home team on Sunday. Yep. What are what are your weather people telling you? Uh, I think you know, like like uh, all times, the forecast is always fifty percent accurate. So right now, <laughs> right now, we're just uh, I think in a monitoring phase, and it looks like there is rain in in Columbia on Friday, but. It's too early to make a decision now, so I think it's one of those things where we just have backup plans, contingency plans, and and then wait. You know, you always try to, as a baseball coach, you try to wait as long as you can just because we all know how the weather <laughs> changes. So. In South Carolina, just give it a few minutes. It will change. Coach Eric Backage, Clemson baseball coach, is with us off to an excellent start. Uh, what do you think of your team to this point? What, what are you most happy with? And Maybe where are you a little bit most concerned at this point a couple of weeks in? Great question. I mean the the kid, the players on the team, the you know, the personalities, the the attitude, the just the you know, the the energy that they bring on a daily basis, it it just makes it fun to be around them. Uh, so I I really do enjoy this group. I've thought that way since the fall. They showed up in the fall really with just a chip on their shoulder, very very hungry, very humble, uh, and it's just done everything right, you know, and I know we had the slip up last week, last Friday, just a weird, weird game where we didn't compete very hard and came out flat, but outside of that one hiccup, this is, this is truly, it's, uh, you know, the, um, it's just, it's been a lot of fun for us as coaches to be around these guys. You look at the team uh, offensively, 
Uh, are you where you think you, you need to be at this stage? Are you swinging the bats? Uh, are you as aggressive as you think your guys need to be? Or maybe, you know, are you as patient as you want them to be at the plate? You know, the, the, I thought our quality at bats have been good. Our run production has been fine. There There really isn't anything that I could point to and say, you know, on statistically, this is the thing that really stands out um, in, in on either side of the coin. You know, this doing anything really great or really bad. At, you know, this, it's just been solid. And I think really that's kind of what you want. You just want to be consistently good. Sometimes that's where greatness is, is just being consistently good. So mm-hmm. I think for us, it's just being consistent. You know, we are getting, a, we are leaving a, runners on, people ask me about leaving runners on base. Well, yeah, it's because we're getting a lot of runners on base, you know, and it's just been that's been a, a bright spot as well. And we don't look at you know leaving runners on base. We look at the percentage of execution of getting guys to third with no outs and getting scoring guys from third with less than two outs. Um, so maybe that could be a, improved a little bit, but overall, um, yeah, it's been a, a fun group to coach, like I mentioned. But uh, the, yeah, there's there's really hasn't been anything that I could point at and say uh, offensively that, you know, this is a real concern right now. Had to be happy with Will Taylor, happy for Will Taylor yesterday. I mean, he has not gotten off to a good offensive start going into yesterday. Then he turns it around with three homers, three hits, three RBIs. Uh, What do you think sparked him yesterday? And you think it um, is something that's going to continue for him? Did you see what you see some things in him that lead you to believe it was just not a one day thing for him? Yeah, it's it absolutely saw that you know that this was coming that his the game was going to come back around to him. You'd think most kids, you know, and for him the 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 downturn, the slump was he got a hit in his first at bat and then didn't have a hit in the, like the next twenty two. And most kids at that point, you would think, would wear their emotions on their sleeve and be very visibly frustrated especially in the previous game where he went over five, but he hit three balls over a hundred miles an hour. And so that would be especially frustrating when you're fighting it a little bit, you hit it hard, you do everything you're supposed to do and still don't get the results. And he never once uh, showed that frustration outwardly to his, he was always very encouraging. He was a great teammate. He's always back up on the rail cheering kept working hard, always putting in the time. So you knew he's just, there's no way he was going to stay down very long. And then just to see him bust out the explosive way that he did it, that was really cool. Visiting with Eric Backage, Clemson baseball coach. We'll have Mark Kingston at 735 tonight. Cam Canarella, uh, first of all, he's been a little banged up, right? Had a little injury thing going on. How is he? And then, of course, when he's healthy, he's as good as anybody. He's had that batting average over 500. My goodness. How is he health-wise going into this weekend? Yeah, he's the, he's the spark. I mean, he's, he's a spark plug. He's a, one of the best table setters uh, in all of college baseball. Yeah, he, he tweaked his shoulder uh, sliding into third base. But, you know, we, we've, he's, he's had, you know, seen a couple of doctors. And the reports are all positive. And he'll be, he'll be playing this weekend. And uh, excited to get him back out there and and progressing and and getting better and getting stronger and all the things. But yeah, he'll be back out there this weekend. You've also had a little bit of injury issue at catcher. How do you look there going into this week? What'll be your plans behind the plate? Yeah, Jacob Gerald's out with the facial injury, but he'll be back soon. He's mm-hmm. that's uh, that'll be uh, you know just a couple of weeks until he's back. Um, so. 
you know, wishing him a speedy recovery as he, he recovers from that. And he took a, took a fastball right to the, right to the cheek. Um, but he's as tough as they come. So Jimmy Obertop has been doing all the catching duties and he'll continue to do all the catching duties until Jacob Gerald comes back. Um, so we've got some other guys that have stepped up and, uh, you know, a few guys that have even, uh, added catcher to their, you know, their versatility list just in an emergency, uh, a guy like Jay, Jay Dillard caught an inning today. And, um, so, you know, it's just, it's just guys stepping up and, and helping out and a guy like Ty Marshall, who's a, a freshman and a, and a, a good switch hitting catcher, um, you know, may see some time in there, may get some action. Uh, but Jimmy will be the starter until Jacob gets back. Got Austin Gordon back on the mound yesterday. That had to be uh, encouraging for you, the way he pitched. And But uh, with him throwing yesterday, what does that mean for him this weekend? And do you go with your the rotation that you went with your first two weekends? Yeah, we, we could definitely keep the rotation the same. And I think that's, you know, that's certainly uh, what we're looking at right now. But, uh, you know, it could always change. And Gordo having him with now a couple of starts under his belt, um is very encouraging as well as he progresses back. So yeah, he, he, you know, he may be available if the situation calls for it this weekend or he may not. Um, but, um, but yeah, we'll, we're excited. You know, we feel good about our pitching, especially the, you know, we know Billy Barlow's best stuff is, is, uh, is coming. He's shown flashes of it and hadn't quite uh, shown everyone else what we've been seeing uh, in the, you know, the preseason in the fall, but uh, everybody has seen, you know, Tristan Smith and, and knows how how great of a pitcher he is and the stuff that he has. And Aiden Canock kind of announced his presence out there last weekend, uh, Did a real, had a really a fantastic start, six scoreless innings, very efficient with his pitches, 75 pitches for six innings is, is really good. Um, so, and then we got a lot of depth in the bullpen, got a lot of guys who have been there, done that and been in high leverage situations that, you know, in a loud and hostile environment, a rivalry game, if, you know, kind of been in those moments. So that's, that's valuable experience to have for sure. One thing that really jumps out at me besides the, the positive numbers, offense pitching, but tell me your thoughts on your fielding. Number of errors out there, a little surprising maybe. Is there, is there, re, is there something, a reason this is happening? Or what do you, what's your feeling about this team as a defensive team? Yeah, we've had some fluky stuff happen. We've thrown away a few picks and um, been a little sloppy on, in the infield. And then also, you know, we've had quite a few first basemen in there as well. And then that kind of goes to show you how valuable a guy like Caden Grice or anyone who's six foot seven and has mm. the athleticism in the – the range and covers up a lot of, you know, can, can basically catch a high throw, scoop a low throw, you know, he's got such a big wingspan. Um, so it's just, you know, he, we don't have that luxury this year with, uh, but we just recently moved Jacob Hinderleiter over to first base and he's done a, for a, a guy who's been a career shortstop. He looks very natural at first and has made some excellent plays. So, Defense is one of those things we, we pride ourselves on. It's one of our fundamental standards of, you know, we set the school record for fielding percentage last year. So our our, our best defense is coming. That'll be an area that, you know, we've certainly stumbled out of the gates making some some sloppy mistakes, but we will clean that up, and that'll be a, a definitely something that improves here in short order. No, you got to be proud of the fact that uh, six of your wins, yeah, Six of your wins come from behind wins, so 
I mean, this is a team that uh, when they get a little bit behind, they don't cash in their chips. They find a way to fight back and get a W. You know, and that's where the experience of last year and just getting knocked down all the time is really valuable. You know, and listening to guy, a guy like Blake Wright, who's, you know, a two-year captain now, talk about how we're never out of the fight. And, you know, just the guys have a belief that that exactly that. We're never out of the fight. And, um, you know, so being trailing, trailing in a game, playing from a deficit um, is really not one of those things. You see a lot of front-running <laughs> teams now just the nature of you know amateur baseball uh with a lot of really uncompetitive games at these tournaments and showcases where if you get behind it's like kind of like games over even if it's the earlier middle of the game but our guys have really bought into this team aspect of you know competing every pitch and fighting to the last out and you know even if we are trailing or even if we are playing from a deficit they have firm belief that they're going to come back and win the game so it's it, you're right. Six out of the seven wins have been when we've trailed and had to flip the scoreboard. But that's also, you know, a goal of ours in every game: either either flip the scoreboard or, you know, just go ahead and get the lead early and extend <laughs> it. That'd be uh, that'd be nice too. There you go. A couple more minutes with Coach Eric Backage, Clemson baseball coach. Appreciate you coming up here and visiting with us. Thoughts on the Gamecocks from your uh, your preparation. This week, I guess maybe you turned a page to them sometime last night after you finished up the game with Upstate, and today kind of broke them down some. What's your impression of uh, Coach Kingston's club? Yeah, I've studied them, you know, pretty hard. Our whole staff has. Which we're, you know, we're all watching a lot of video and taking a look. So, you know, obviously they're they're pitching it very very well, and then we know of all the dangerous hitters in their lineup. They're they're very patient at the plate. Looks like drawing a lot of walks, a lot of hit by pitches. Um, few strikeouts we know there's a lot of guys that have a a ton of power in their lineup um but it'll be a very good rotation of arms there's no doubt about that the the pitching has done done a really good job and we know with the if they throw jones again like they did last week he's got really good stuff and nasty movement arm side run and good slider and yeah it'll be it'll be a big test for us um you know you got you got a lineup that I think I saw Cassis was was hitting down in the order last game, um, and he, and he's a weapon and hit twenty some home runs or whatever he hit last year. And so yeah, their lineup is dangerous. Their team is good. The environment's going to be hostile. It's, it's going to be a great test, and it's what makes these rivalry uh, series so awesome to be a part of. You got two really good teams going at it, and the whole state behind it. So. You know, really excited to compete. Great test. Two two top ten clubs going at each other, and uh, what's better than that? It's where it should be. It's where the fans want it to be. It's where it should be. Exactly right. I th- I hundred percent agree. It's the best thing for college baseball in the state of South Carolina when Clemson and South Carolina are both awesome in in all sports. Mm-hmm. You know, not just but this is the best baseball rivalry uh, in college baseball, in my opinion. Um, having spent you know, seven years in the SEC and, um, you know, and now logged a few years in the ACC, not only the, the first go around with, with, uh, with Clemson, but also at Maryland. Mm. And so, um, so yeah, just, just kind of, and then being from California and then spending 10 years in the big 10, it's just, I've never, I've been a lot of places and have not seen a rivalry that, that compares to Clemson, South Carolina, in baseball. You and Coach Leggett sit around and tell Gamecock stories? 
this week? Does he share, any, <laughs> share some of his war stories with Tanner with you? Oh, yeah. He's got a lot of them. Too. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of battles there. But uh, that was my indoctrination into this rivalry. It was 22 years ago back when it was Sarge Fry Field and it, everything was right on top of you. And, you know, our stadium back then wasn't called Doug Kingsmore. It was called Tiger Field. Yeah. And we had the trees in the outfield. And Michael Johnson hit hitting balls through the trees and – I mean, just incredible battles, and those battles, you know, went all the way out to Omaha too. And you got Clemson and South Carolina in Omaha, and that's uh, they got the best of us in '02 and uh, out there. But um, but yeah, it's good for college baseball when Clemson and South Carolina are both competing to be World Series contenders. We're looking forward to it. Hopefully, the weather will give us a break. We can get this thing in on time. And Pat Daniel back at our studio wants to ask you a question before we let you go. Go ahead, Pat. Hey, Coach, and I don't believe you guys touched on it. If I missed it, apologies. Just a quick observation, and maybe it's too early in the season to really tell, but last year one of the earliest impressions that Tiger fans got from you was the aggression on the base paths. I believe it was 11 stolen bases in the first win of the season last year. For the season, averaged about two attempts per game. That number's down this year so far to about one stolen base attempt uh, per game. Is that situational? Is that depend on the personnel or is that like what's the change there maybe from last year to to this year in terms of aggression on on the base paths sure no great question yeah it's still there we have we have that in our arsenal you know it i think there's two things number one opposing teams know we like to run and so there's a there's a focus of theirs at least the teams we've played so far to be very quick to the plate with their pitching staff uh, and pick a lot and so wow. there's just been a lot of picks and a lot of quickness to the plate. And the second thing is we've, you know, like Phil mentioned, there's been so many deficits where uh, the run situations, you know, just haven't presented themselves. It's obviously easier to be more aggressive offensively and take more chances when you've got a little bit of a cushion with a lead. But we've been playing from behind in six of our seven wins uh, that those situations, you know, those have to be a little more ta- calculated and tactical. Um, so it just the the opportunities, you know, will have to present themselves, like you said. But it is absolutely 100% part of our offensive attack. It's what I like uh, about this club is that it is dynamic. It is balanced. We do have home run power. Uh, we can bunt. We can run. We can steal bases. We've just got a lot of different ways to score because ultimately that's what we are. So run scoring offense instead of nine independent contractors going up trying to do their Twitter swing. So it's 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 a good, it's a good thing to have. All right. Uh, what is a Twitter swing? Twitter swing is when you get in there and you try to hit fly balls off the top net of the cage because you're working on your launch angle. Uh, the problem is, is a lot of kids that are working on launching the ball up in the air don't hit it hard enough to hit it in the air. And I say this to so many kids, you know, focus on hitting it hard. And once you hit it hard enough, then you can elevate the baseball. But a lot of young kids, they're not physically strong enough to do the same swings that 20-year-old grown men and guys in the big leagues are doing. And they need they would be more uh, better suited to have a flatter bat path instead of dumping the barrel early and fighting gravity. They just physically can't do it. Uh, But to have a flatter bat path, or even for a young kid, 12 and under kid, even having the barrel stay above his hands on the way to contact until they get older, until they hit puberty, all those things, and just be a better hitter and hit the ball hard first, 
uh, that's a frustrating thing to see in in young amateur baseballs. These kids all do their Twitter swings because what they see on Twitter, they think mm. they need to do, and that's not what wins. There's no scoreboard in the cage. And if you're playing run scoring offense, you can't be doing the Twitter swing. The Twitter swing. Hear that, Phil? Love he it. still calls it Twitter, not I X. Hear so that. On this program, we battle a lot. Is it Twitter or is it X? It's X <laughs> until they take off the little bird and take off the Twitter on the URL. Um, thank you so much for being with us. Good yes, luck sir. this week. Look forward to seeing you. Thank you, Phil. Friday, Saturday, two days in Columbia, one day here at Doug Kingsmore. It's going to be a lot of fun. Whether or not, we'll be there. And if we have to delay, we'll be wherever it is whenever you play it. But we appreciate you coming up and joining us. Thanks, hey, Coach. Let's do it. Thanks, guys. Thank appreciate you, it. All Take right. care. Now, Eric Backage, Clemson baseball coach, right off the practice field. They do yoga out in the outfield after practice. That was It was so loud in here. The place was shaking. And then all of a sudden, they go out and start doing yoga, and it's like silence. <laughs> what a dichotomy. The place was uh, vibrating, and then it was just all calm and peaceful. So Yin and yang, Phil. Yin and yang. It's all in the mind, baby. It's all in the mind. All right, we'll hit the break. Uh, Dabo Sweeney, a tough act to follow with Coach Backish, but Dabo Sweeney is coming up next. Be back in a moment. Okay, we are back on Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network here on a Wednesday night from up at Doug Kingsmore Stadium where it looks like it could uh, bust loose any moment now and start raining. Pat's telling me it's pouring in Columbia. Let's get out of our system now and have good weather for the weekend. But, uh, again, doesn't look good. But let's don't be so pessimistic. Let's be as optimistic as possible. In just a moment, we'll hear from Clemson uh, football coach Dabo Sweeney as the Tigers Opened spring football practice today. He'll go over a number of things. He'll talk about the injuries and other things related to his to his program. One thing I want to bring up goes back to the recent uh, situations involving uh, DeMonte Capehart and Noble Johnson uh, with their arrests. And then in the case of Capehart, uh, entering pretrial intervention in the case of Johnson, uh, remains uh, with the team. He's not suspended, but he is uh, injured from his uh, traffic accident uh, and all of that. Uh, and what Dabo Sweeney said was that, you know, in both cases it was handled uh, by their university system, by their university policies that are in place, et cetera, et cetera. I know I talked about this when it first came out and then when it was announced that Capehart was going to be with the team and no further action was taken, and I was comparing it to – the situation in, at USC a little over a year ago when they had three players with a similar gun violation like Capehart had. Uh, both are felonies in that anything, I believe, with a, a gun violation is is a felony under the law. But South Carolina's three players were dismissed from the team. And so I was just – I brought up the question, why are there two different ways of handling things? I'm not saying one is right and one is the other. I just find it odd – that you have the two schools in the state and apparently different policies when it comes to these kind of infractions. So draw your own conclusion, make your own judgment. You know, I remember when Steve Spurrier came to South Carolina, one of the first things that caught his attention 
was South Carolina's drug policy at the time? Or was it Lou Holtz? Was it Lou Holtz or Steve Spurrier? One of them, I think it was Spurrier, and he said compared to the rest of the SEC, South Carolina was way too tough, way too tough. And he got the school to change their policies to where, like, one infraction wasn't a dismissal from the team. I think South Carolina had, like, a one-and-done policy. And he got them to work in where you had a chance to make a mistake and make up for it and not be kicked off the team. So, I don't know. I was just, again, this just comes to mind because it came up in the in the press conference today. In fact, let's go to that right now. Uh, Dabo Sweeney and the Clemson Tigers, they opened up a spring football practice today, coming off uh, a Gator Bowl win uh, back in December in Jacksonville, looking to get back to where they are used to being, which is among the nation's uh, elite, among the nation's top five. Uh, And, of course, now with the 12-team playoff, certainly uh, they are expecting to be in that 12-team playoff. But also Sweeney realizes there's a lot of areas of improvement that need to be made based on their performance in certain areas from last year. Uh, Quarterback play, uh, big play potential, protecting the football, kicking, returning punts, um, red zone scoring and red zone defense, believe it or not. He cited all those areas. Here's more. From Dabo Sweeney, all of Dabo Sweeney is on our website, sportstalksc.com. But here is his opening remarks, and he also covers injuries and a few other things, Dabo Sweeney. As a coach, this is what you love to do. You know, you love to be on the field with the players. There's so much that goes on in a million different uh, areas. Um, You know, this is ultimately why you coach. You get to be with the players. You get to get on the field. And more importantly, you get to, you know, build a team. And even though we we all have the same, you know, wear the same color jersey, and you got the paw and all that stuff, it still doesn't make you a team. You know, you have to you have to uh, earn that, and you have to develop that year in and year out. And uh, so, you know, I love this part. I love starting over. I love uh, you know the process that you have to go through. And you know, obviously, you, you get results each and every week, and certainly at the end of the year. And then you go and you you process that and you study that. Uh, to the nth degree, and that's that's certainly uh, what we've done this year, no different than any other year. And um, we did a lot of good things last year, and we did some things that just you know really frustrating, you know, that really limited um, you know a couple more opportunities for us. Uh, so you know we spent a lot of time um, on what we call our quality control and our. our you know, just really studying the good, the bad, the ugly of everything, and then how do we get better? You know, is it personnel? Is it scheme? Is it coaching? Um, you know, whatever talent. Um, you know, are, are we not? Are we not teaching it the right way? You know, what, what is it? And then, and then you attack those things. And even though you, you know, you've got this information. Um, it's still a new team. You're not automatically, you don't get to carry touchdowns over, right, from last year. And you don't automatically, just because you were eighth in the country in defense last year, I don't mean you'd automatically get to start, okay, we were a great pass defense last year. All right, and so you can't neglect that. All right, we got to create consistency in that. But, okay, as we study our defense, we were really, really good defense defensively. But we weren't the type of scoring defense where we were like 30-second scoring defense. Now, why is that? Well, number one, our offense scored a lot of points for the other team. All right? Uh, that's a problem. Okay? Uh, 
you know, when you got when you're down 14 to nothing and you've given up negative five yards, that's a problem. That's going to affect your scoring defense, for example. Uh, but then also, okay, you're eighth in the country in defense. But then you look and you say, man, we were really bad in red zone defense. Now, first of all, they, they, not many people got to the red zone. Very few people even could get there. But when they did get there, they scored touchdowns. So why is that? How do we attack that? How do we improve from that? What do we learn from that? Uh, and, and, and then the other thing is when they did get to the red zone, it wasn't from a drive. It was from type, some type of explosive play. And then flip side offensively, you look at it and you go, okay, man, gum." We were about as good as we've been, some of the best teams we've had, 15th in the country in first downs. But yet you're – how come your scoring offense isn't what it needs to be? Well, you look at your red zone scoring. Well, we're 100 and – I mean, we're near the bottom. Well, why is that? Well, because we about led the nation in turnovers, in particular fumbles, right? So – and not only turnovers, where the turnovers happened – they didn't just happen, you know, backed up on the minus three yard line, or, or the or the plus three yard line, or whatever. All you know, it, they happen in the red zone, going in to score, and next thing you know, that impacts you. We needed five more points a game to be a top twenty-four scoring offense in the country. Five points, five points, and so there's so much good. And, and when you really, really look at it from a, the lens that we look at it and the totality of it. Man, we did a lot of good things, um, but uh, the the bottom line is is we we everything for us offensively from 2023 goes back to turnovers. Everything, it's all about the ball, and uh, we did a really really poor job of that. And uh, too many sacks, too many TFLs. Uh, those are things that we got to correct. Uh, quarterbacks got to take a next step. Both sides of the ball, we got to get better situational awareness-wise. Those are things we need to improve on. Uh, again, red zone scoring. We 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 move the ball. Fifteenth in the country in first downs, <laughs> but you know you got to finish in the red zone. And it, it was missed kicks, block kicks, turnovers, fumbles, you name it, it all across the board. And uh, that that impacts you greatly. And uh, so it's a very small margin uh, for error, and, uh, but, but all things that we can correct uh, for sure. And then uh, another step in our passing game. And, uh, you know, from, I would say, explosive chemistry, if you will, uh, probably be the word I would say. Um, and some of that is just availability. Some of that is just guys taking the next step, uh, minimizing some of these, these disaster things uh, that we dealt with. But all in all, you know, it's been a good process to go through it. Uh, special teams, when you look at it, uh, no big shocker, our biggest issues were field goal. And we've tried to, uh, you know, you had a young guy that wasn't ready, number one, and, but we've also gone and recruited. And we'll, we'll, we'll see how that, how that translates. But we feel like we've, we've got an opportunity to get better there. And then the other thing is punt return confidence. You know, you look at Tyler Brown, he averaged almost 15 yards of return, but he lost his confidence, so we had to fire him. And, uh, you know, he, he, he wasn't ready for that. And, you know, it was affecting him in other areas. Uh, we lost Antonio Williams. He's out. You know, we lost Cole Turner. He's another pump returner for us. He's out all year. So all of a sudden, we, we, we kind of lost some confidence in that area. Man, thankful for Hamp Green. He kind of he bailed us out and saved us, you know, down the stretch and just possessing the ball because um, we ended up muffing two kicks. You know, had two turnovers, and those are critical. I mean, that's field position. That's that affects your scoring. All those things. Um, so, you know, a lot of area for improvement. The other thing, special teams was penalties. Too many penalties that we had, 
And then, uh, you know, as you saw in the game, in the bowl game, we were really fortunate to win that game. You, you, we studied it. If, if, you, if you give up a, a special teams touchdown, you, you, you got like a 31% chance to win. So <laughs> we open up the second half. We got two quarters to play. So it probably it probably that thirty one percent. That's probably based on a, a game, right? So I'd say we probably had about a you know whatever fifteen percent chance to win at that point. But we won. It's hard to overcome those things. And the biggest thing there, when you look at the kickoff coverage stuff, is we led the nation in kickoff in kickoff uh, touchbacks. I mean, we were elite, 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 elite. And, and that's a double edged sword. Sometimes guys all of a sudden they, you know, they just take it for granted right you know uh crying wolf all right and then all of a sudden the wolf shows up and you ain't ready and uh you know that's kind of uh the case in that last game so you gotta just creating that mindset and that mentality that you gotta you got cover every kick like it's coming out with the right technique you know the right speed zone bully zone hat and hand, everything uh, and how you leverage the football so um a lot of stuff that that we went through that that i feel really good about uh as a staff and as a team as we go attack 2024, and um, you know, I love how the guys have worked. They've they've been they've been a very focused group. Um, you know, leadership has been good. Guys have have been very attentive in our meetings and what we've been trying to do, uh, mat drills, etc. Uh, so just ready to get out on the field and, and get started uh, from an injury standpoint. Um, you know, long-term guys that, that you guys know that, that are, are doing well and, and working their way back. You know, Sherrod Koval is a, is a scholarship player that, as you all know, tore his uh, ACL back in November. He's doing great. Uh, he's doing really, really well. He's, I would say, ahead of schedule is what they tell me. So, you know, he'll be, he'll be ready to go by the time, you know, we get to the season. Uh, Jalen Lucas uh, had the right hip surgery in December. Uh, he's doing well, but he'll be he'll be out in the spring. Um, uh, Walker Parks, another guy that that y'all all know, a starter. Uh, he's he's doing really well. Our hope for him is to hopefully get some type of individual <clears throat> start. You know, maybe it might be the latter part of spring or whatever, but to really get him into some maybe some indie type of stuff and, and get him back just moving around from that standpoint. But he's tracking in a good good spot. And then uh, Watson Young, another young scholarship player. Um, that uh, had had torn his ACL, and uh, so he he's he uh, hopefully will be ready to go once we get back we get to the season. Um, uh, long, other long term, Armand Mason, uh, he's he's got a stress fracture, so he he'll be out for spring. Uh, he's a guy that again I hate it for him. Super excited about um, his opportunity, and you know uh, got hurt in camp last year, um, and I really hate that for him has battled back from that and now he's got a little bit of a stress fracture so uh he'll be out this spring but but uh you know should be ready to go by the time we get to the season uh tyler brown you know had had the foot surgery he's doing great uh not ready to go full go yet but but tracking in a good direction and we do anticipate him getting some type of work uh at some point this spring same thing with corey and gibson he's the high school mid-year kid that that uh tours acl at the beginning of the season last year out in texas uh, he's doing well. We anticipate him getting some, just some position type stuff, and and you know, just trending in a good direction. No live work this spring. Jay Haynes, uh, he's coming back from a hamstring, not anything long term, but but he's he'll he sh- he'll be back at some point. Uh, Noble Johnson's going to be out. Obviously, y'all know about his situation. Uh, he'll be out for the spring. Uh, Ronan O'Connell is another young man that had some. 
had a little bit of surgery coming out of high school. So he'll be limited uh, as we go through spring ball. We do hope second half of spring that he can get a little bit of work as well. Um, and uh, Brandon Strozier is another guy who had uh, surgery that's back in November that's you know, trending in the right direction too. So those guys should all get back at some point. Uh, Vic Burley, uh, Ronan Hannafin, you know, a couple of those guys are, are working their way back in as well. Some guys that had some, some uh, you know, surgery at some point, either during the season or postseason. But other than that, we'll have uh, most everybody out there and, and uh, ready to go. And, and then obviously we had a couple of um, uh, issues within the team, you know, with Kate Hart and, and Noble, two incredibly disappointing uh, situations. But, um, you know, two good kids, two, two learning opportunities uh, from both of them. Those things, um, how those things are all handled all is all driven through the processes and procedures that are in place from a university standpoint. Kind of really kind of remove yourself from that stuff, uh, honestly, uh, just like you do from a guy getting hurt. You, you just move, remove yourself and let doctors and trainers manage that. And it's no different when you have a situation like uh, we had. But, um, you know, Kate made a mistake, and he's a great kid, and he'll learn from that. We'll handle it within the team. Same thing with Noble. Um, and uh, both of them, you know, Noble especially, very fortunate uh, that, uh, you know, uh, it wasn't worse than it was. And uh, so it's an opportunity to teach, an opportunity for guys to learn. And, um, you know, again, it's nobody's immune to young people doing dumb things from time to time. You know, it's how you respond to those things. It's how you teach and how you grow from it. And that's we'll use it as such. All right, comments of uh, Dabo Sweeney. Again, everything is up on the website, sportstalksc.com. You can also get it in podcast form, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else we put our podcasts are available for you there as well. We'll give you recruiting after the break. And then uh, 705, Coach John Combs will wrap up the high school basketball season. They're wrapping up the semifinals today in Florence. And then the finals will uh, begin Tomorrow or Friday? Check my schedule on that. But the finals are are coming up. We wrap up high school basketball in the state this weekend. Mark Kingston, USC baseball coach, will get his side of the story. 7.35 tonight. So, oh, we'll hear from Brad Brownell. And we'll talk about USC at Texas A&M, too. Be right back. Last year was a big year for Founders Federal Credit Union and our amazing members. A total of $30 million was given back to qualifying members in the form of loyalty bonus dividends, proving once again that it pays to be a Founders member. Founders is also committed to pouring time and resources into the local communities we serve. If you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Join Founders today. Visit foundersfcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required. George Bryant here for Tsunami Bar Sports, and some say the fun is in the winning. I say the fun is in the training. And Tsunami Robbie, what do you say? George, we all know you get more done when you're having fun. This technology is different, it's engaging, but it's also a lot of fun to use. Hi, this is Phil Kornblut. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any Tsunami Bar order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. 
Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. This is Major Billy Downer with the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. Boating season is right around the corner here in the Palmetto State. As you get ready for this spring and summer, make sure your registration sticker is up to date and you have a copy of your registration card on board your boat. For more information on boat registration and answers to common questions, visit dnr.sc.gov. All right, welcome back, everybody, here to a Sports Talk up at Clemson. We've heard from Dabo Sweeney. We've heard from Eric Backage. We'll have comments from Brad Brunel off the win last night. Good performance by Clemson in their win last night. Right now, though, let's give you the recruiting report tonight, and it's brought to you by our good friends over at Seawells. We remind you that the daily luncheon buffet at Seawells is there for you again tomorrow from 11 till 2 o'clock. Make your lunch plans around that and go enjoy a delicious Buffet lunch at Seawells for only 14 bucks. Then you need the very best in the catering business for any of the big events coming up in your life here in the spring and summer. You just give Seawells a call at 803-771-7385 online at SeawellsCateringSC.com. Let Seawells help make your event a memorable experience. Recruiting report tonight, quarterback A.J. Brand, 6'1", Big reason that Irmo has emerged as a state power again. Last season, he led the team to the 4A state semifinals, a 13-1 record, their most win since 2002. He passed for 2,932 yards, 45 touchdowns. He rushed for 1,137 yards, make that 1,113 yards, and 17 touchdowns. So he is an athlete who can do it. At quarterback, he could do it at receiver. He could do it at safety. He's drawing a lot of recruiting attention from schools who want him as a quarterback. But South Carolina likes him as a safety or wide receiver. The Gamecocks offered him as an athlete in January. Of course, they've had success with former quarterbacks playing other positions, including D.Q. Smith, who's now starting safety, and uh, Luke Doty, now a uh, receiver, and Carrion Joyner who was a receiver and a running back. So the idea of playing a position other than quarterback for the Gamecocks or some other major program is not a turnoff to Brand when he thinks about what he wants to do. He wants to go someplace where he'll have a chance to play and develop and get to the NFL. That is his main goal. He was talking to former USC receivers coach James Coley before Coley left for Georgia. And Coley had told him they loved his film. In fact, they kind of liked him some at quarterback as well. But they weren't really sure at that point what position they liked him the most for. Shane Beamer has been in touch with him as well. He really likes Beamer, and he likes what Beamer is doing and turning around the program in South Carolina. He says he's loved his conversations with Beamer. He attended a junior day at USC in January. He also visited Virginia Tech, Coastal Carolina, and Charlotte. Future visits. He plans to take spring visits to USC, USF, Maryland, and Old Dominion. He's not set official visits 
for June, but he said USC is a definite for one of those stops. He added that Virginia Tech and Georgia Southern are two other schools showing him a lot of interest at this point. Two of the state's top offensive line prospects in the 25 class have decided on some spring unofficial visits. Offensive tackle Shed Surratt of Gaffney going to NC State March 5th, Maryland March 30th, USC April 20th for the Garnet and Black spring game. He has an offer from the Gamecocks. He also visited for a junior day in January, and he was at multiple games last season. He also camped with the Gamecocks last summer. He also took visits to Florida and Georgia Tech in January. Offensive tackle Kevin P, 64305 of Lancaster. He plans to visit USC March 23rd in Clemson, April 4th. He's been offered by USF, Georgia Southern, East Carolina, Purdue, James Madison, Charlotte, Liberty, Georgia Tech, Duke, Cincinnati, Virginia Tech, Appalachian State, Missouri, and Boston College. He went to games at USC and Clemson and others last year. Tom Loy of 24-7 Sports reported linebacker Tavion Wallace of Jessup, Georgia, will take an unofficial to USC March 23rd. He also plans unofficials to LSU and to Florida State. He has officials with Georgia on June 7th and USC on June 21st. Safety Anquan Fagans of Alabaster, Alabama, has set officials to Clemson May 31st, Georgia June 7th, and Washington June 14th. Offensive tackle Mal Waldrop of Phoenix City, Alabama, has set an official to Clemson for May 31st. He visited the Tigers in January, and he was at last year's spring game. Safety Jordan Young, Monroe, North Carolina, set an official with Clemson May 31st. He'll also take one to Florida State on June 14th. Clemson target linebacker Jaden Harmon offered by Oregon. Clemson target cornerback Tay Harris was offered by Vanderbilt. 2026 receiver Jordan Gidron of Ridgeview picked up offers from North Carolina and Tennessee. He also plans to take spring visits to Clemson, USC, Alabama, NC State, and Indiana. That's recruiting brought to you by Seawells. After the break, Coach John Combs hooping, hollering here on Sports Talk. Back in a moment. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. We are back on Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Phil Kornblut up at Clemson and Pat Daniel back at our studios in Columbia. May get some phone calls in a little bit. We've been so busy tonight. A lot of stuff going on, as you might expect. We had Eric Backich on with us live. If you missed that interview, we'll have it up for you later on on our website and also in our podcast places. Then we had Dabo Sweeney from his press conference today. That is on our website, sportstalksc.com. 7.35, we'll have USC baseball coach Mark Kingston live with us to talk about the big baseball series. And tonight, of course, South Carolina playing at Texas A&M, going to tip off at 8.30 out in Texas, a place that South Carolina is very happy to visit. The Gamecocks have had great success at Reed Coliseum at Texas A&M. The Gamecocks have won eight of the last ten against Texas A&M. So 
very comfortable. The Gamecocks have been out there. But this is a Texas A&M team that's lost five in a row. And let's make that four in a row, maybe five in a row after the night. Four in a row and three in a row to the Gamecocks at home. So dangerous game from that standpoint for South Carolina. But if the Gamecocks come out with their defensive focus like they had at Ole Miss, their offense will come. Defense travels if they play with that defensive intensity and focus. They should be all right tonight. And this is a big game for them as they are still battling for a position for the SEC tournament, trying to get one of those top four finishes so they can get the double bye. And right now the Gamecocks are a game ahead of Kentucky and Florida, tied with Auburn. Of course, Auburn has that tiebreaker. But if you finish fourth, that gets you into the double bye. Tennessee and Alabama are only a game ahead at 11-3, and three, so they are very much in the mix with uh, the final games of the regular season coming up. Speaking of the final games, the uh, high school basketball tournament is, uh, is uh, for all the classes, uh, winding down at the Florence Civic Center. We've got the championships coming up this weekend. They're wrapping up some upper and lower state semifinal games tonight or upper and lower state finals or statewide semifinals. However you want to word it. I'm very confused about everything that's been going on. Let's welcome in Coach John Combs, one final edition of Hooping and Hollering on High School Basketball in South Carolina. Coach Combs, the AD at Spring Valley, former head coach at Westwood. And welcome in, sir. Great to have you with us. Uh, How have you enjoyed this week of basketball going back to last week, semifinals and the finals coming up? Well, Phil, first of all, it's a great week of high school basketball. Tonight is our last uh, semifinal games um, before they take a day off tomorrow. And then we have the uh, finals going on this Friday and Saturday at the Florence Civic Center. There's been a lot of really good games, and I know there's still a lot of great games still yet to be played. Yeah. So let me ask you right off the top, the elephant in the room with this arrangement, everybody coming to Florence, uh, stretching out these semifinals that began last week. And they're still going on tonight before we shift. Your take on it. You think uh, everything has gone as well as possible? What, what's the feedback you've been hearing from your people? Well, one thing that I'm, I'm, I'm certainly going to do is wait until it's all over with. We're going to survey all of our coaches that were a part of it to get their feedback. Um, you know, if you're Burns and Malden High School that played in a 5A upper state championship that had to drive three-plus hours, you probably didn't like it very much. Uh, whereas, you know, uh, Ridgeview High School and AC Floor girls that are playing tonight uh, for a semifinal state championship probably don't mind it as much. So the high school league decided to try to do something different. Um, it's quite a long ways for certain people. Um, so we'll, we'll give it a try and see, get the feedback. Um, the people that got to drive a long way don't like it. Mm. Um, the other people, yeah, it's, it's okay. So we'll, we'll see how it goes this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's got to burn you when you – First of all, you're talking about two teams close to each other in the upstate. I mean, you would think logically you could just find a place to play with Dorman being eliminated. Why not just play at Dorman, you know? Great arena, you're right there in your backyard. Or if you're driving through Columbia, you could say, why can't we just play in Columbia? We've got to go all the way to, to, to Florence. How has the attendance been from what you can, what you can gather? Have, have they been pleased with that? Uh, it's not been great at times. Um, you know, not as good as, like you say, a Burns and Malden, if they would have played in the Greenville area. 
you know, the, the high school league, I, they do have a very difficult job uh, in, in finding venues. You know, this does help them make it one venue. It's actually not extremely easy to, let's say you want to host a, a Burns and Malden at Dorman High School. They probably would do that. But then would some other high school want to host uh, Lakewood Military Magnet mm. at a different place? So there's a lot of logistical uh, hurdles and challenges uh, that come about on this. But I remember back when I was a student manager with Coach uh, Whipple at Irmo back in 94, I mean, we hosted the uh, lower state championship at Irmo High School when we played Hartsville. And that was a great environment. It was packed, but that was a, that was a long time ago. And so it, it, it will be interesting to see how what the feedback is from people. I, I've got a feeling what it's going to be like. But, you know, we'll see how it goes this weekend. All right, so what I want to do with you right now is something I do with David Shelton when we get through the championships of the high school football season. I put him on the spot and say, okay, give me a winner. So looking ahead to these championship games, 5A boys, you've got Burns and Lexington. Woo, great matchup. What do you think? That is a great matchup. Um, I would just have a hard time betting against Lexington. Um, they're, they're just their top three as good as any top three anywhere in the state. But I will say this: Lane Fowler, who was a guest on this show, he, his team is playing outstanding. Um, so that will be a good game. But I'm going to have to give the edge, the, the edge to Lexington High School and Cam Scott and all their other players. Yeah, you feel like a, an individual player like Cam Scott playing. I mean, I remember Raymond Felton in his last high school game championship game against Hunter Connor Tyler at the uh, old Coliseum, I think he went off for like 48 points. You expect the great ones to maybe go off big in a setting like this? Well, you know, Cam Scott has played great, but the one thing that makes Lexington so difficult, it's not just Cam Scott. It's Jackson Prunty, Caleb Evans. I mean, they go, they go – I don't think anybody in the state has as three as good of players as what Lexington has. You know, maybe you can argue great collegiate, but they're, they're more than just one guy, and, and Cam Scott has been really good when they've needed him so far. All right, let's go to the uh, 4A boys, and I guess we're having semifinals tonight, so we'll have to wait on the championship pick unless they've – you got Riverside and Greer and Ridgeview and James Island. Am I correct on that tonight? That is correct. Riverside beat Greer earlier today, okay. um, which in a good game, but I think Riverside's outstanding. Uh, Ridgeview and, and, and James Island play tonight. I would have to probably lean towards Ridgeview winning that game, but uh, James Island played a heck of a game last week to beat uh, uh, Westwood to get into the semifinal. Uh, whoever Riverside plays will be an outstanding game. Riverside, I think, is one of the better teams in the state. I'm actually you know, going to kind of lean towards maybe Riverside and, and Ridgeview together. I, you probably catch me on the day one time I might pick a Ridgeview team, and next time I might pick uh, – Riverside and, and, you know, James Island might say forget all that, and they're just going to win tonight anyway and just yeah. blow the whole thing off the water. All right, so we got one more semifinal there to be determined. Let's go to the uh, 3A boys. It's going to be Powdersville from the upper state against Darlington from the uh, lower state. Didn't realize Darlington had come on to be a really good basketball team. Obviously they have, and Powdersville's got the young man, a Simeon, who's headed to South Carolina. They won a their two semifinals were very low scoring, 38-35 and 47-44. Are these um, defensive-oriented teams? I, I, think, I think they are. And I, I, Simeon from Powdersville, that's the one thing that I think a lot of people are going to be excited to see. And not a lot of people 
here in the Columbia area or now in the Florence will get a chance to see Powdersville play. And so that would be great. But the one thing is Darlington is just not far away from the Florence Civic Center. Mm. So the hometown crowd will certainly definitely be there for Darlington. Coach Brad Knox does a fantastic job for Darlington. Like I said, they will be, they will be ready to go, have a great defensive plan. I, I don't even know who to pick on that one, but I'm going to go with Powdersville because they've, they've, they've made it all this way so far. And, and when you've got a great player like Simeon who's coming on, looking good, I think they'll, they'll be a tough team to beat. Okay, let's go to 2A, boys. And uh, we've got the, the matchup of the charter schools here. You've got Gray Collegiate and Oceanside Collegiate. What do you think? I think Great Collegiate is going, just going to be too much for Oceanside. Oceanside is really good. Quentin Hollis, their coach, this is going to be back-to-back years that they played each other. But um, as Coach Dion Buffet has said, this is personal. Uh, he, he's, he's, he's looking to go out of 2A on top. I think uh, Great Collegiate is probably one of the best teams right up there with Lexington and all of South Carolina. Their talent's just too much. I, I would, this would be one I'd be surprised if Great Collegiate didn't win. Yeah. We had a little bit of um, sportsmanlike or maybe unsportsmanlike stuff happen after that Gray Collegiate and Keenan game. Um, what you t- from a coach's standpoint, your position with the coaches association? How do you react to that? Where coaches themselves are a little bit antsy with one another at the going through the handshake line. Well, those are two highly competitive individuals that. Um, you know, just right after the game's over with, one didn't want to shake hands with the other. I, you know, I don't know exactly what that was about. Um, I don't think I've ever had a situation where I ever wouldn't shake hands with somebody. But those are two alpha dogs that, mm. <laughs> after the game, they just they, they they weren't seeing eye to eye at that point in time. Yeah. Okay. One A, Christchurch and Bethune Bowman. What do you think? You know, Christchurch has been there. I would kind of lean towards them. But Bethune Bowman, I mean, once you, you know, they're scrappy. They get after it. They play really hard. I, I just, once again, I think Christchurch just being there, they, they got some talent. I think it will, they'll, they'll be the come on top there. Let's go to the uh, girls' side now. And we'll begin with 5A championship matchup, Rock Hill, Sumter. Thoughts there? I th- I think those are the two. That's maybe the best match, one of the best matchups. The whole thing. Rock Hill is outstanding. Sumter's been number one most of the year. I, the, the, these two were on a collision course right from the get go. I'm going to lean towards Sumter on this one, but this one wouldn't surprise me at all if Rock Hill gets the win. Okay, the four A's playing semifinals today. So update us on what you know. You got Riverside, Westside, and AC Flora Ridgeview. Once again, those were, I think those are really balanced matchups. AC Florida and Ridgeview ought to be a good matchup tonight. I think, uh, you know, Ridgeview won the region, so they might be a little bit of a favorite there. Riverside's having an outstanding year. It'll be interesting to see who comes out of that one. Are they still playing? Those games have not been completed yet. Well, they're probably finishing up the, the Ridgeview-AC Florida game right now as we speak. Okay, okay. And then Riverside and Westside are still to play? Yeah, uh, Riverside won earlier today. That is correct. Oh, Riverside okay, so so Riverside has advanced to the championship uh, yep. for the uh, the four A girls and for the and for the boys, right? They're that's correct. That is correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, always excited when you can get uh, exciting when you can get both both sides in there for the fan base. Let's go to three A. You got Daniel coming out of the upper state, and you've got uh, no, you don't. I'm sorry, you've got uh, you got Wren coming out of the upper state and Camden. Coming out of the lower state, one more for Joyce Edwards. 
Yeah, you got to go with Camden here. Um, Coach McGowan's at Rend. I mean, she's had an outstanding year. They're a really good team. I, I just don't see anybody um, being able to go against Camden and Joyce Edwards and their team. All right, we go to 2A, and it's going to be Landrum against Andrew Jackson. I know our buddy Tiger Bryan believes in Andrew Jackson over there in Kershaw. What do you think? I tell you what, these fan bases here, both of them are about as passionate as they get. You don't rank someone quite right or if you're a little off in your rankings, they will certainly <laughs> let you know uh, about that. I, you know, I have not seen Landrum play, but I know Andrew Jackson's played really well. I, I'm anxious to see how this one goes because this, this will be one where both fan bases and small towns will show up at the Florence Civic Center. All right, last one. Uh, Lakeview ended the run of military magnets uh, coming out of the low country, and, uh, and Denmark Olar somehow ended up in the upper state. Don't know how that happened, but they did. Uh, how did that happen? How does Denmark Olar end up in the upper state bracket? You know, that's a great question. I don't know if there was like a flex region in 1A where, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes they get creative, who gets, goes where. But, I mean, I tell you, both of those teams are really good. Um, and a little bit of a surprise that uh, Lakeview came out of that to beat Military Magnet. But they'll probably tell you they're not surprised at all that they're there. Uh, Terrence Jones and Denmark Oler, their team, he does a great job with them. This is, that will be a battle. Once again, a couple of small towns, communities, they're going to be ready to go at it and try to get themselves a state title this weekend. Well, there's nothing like getting that trophy. Nothing like getting yeah. that state championship trophy. Uh, your thoughts as we wrap it up, your thoughts on the high school season overall and uh, – where you think we need to go next year in terms of some areas of improvement? Well, I think it was a great year for high school basketball. I mean, we'd love to obviously see what, uh, you know, how this last weekend will play out there at the Florence Civic Center. You know, there will be a lot of changeover, some changeover with women's basketball. Joyce Edwards won't be back next year. You know, I'm I'm still pushing that we get a full-time shot clock that -hmm. I think down the road could help basketball a little bit. That won't be a short-time improvement. You know, do they look at doing something different with the state uh, championships next year with a different site? I think it will be, you know, I'm excited about the end of this year. I'm already excited about next year. There's a lot of good talent in our state, younger people. It'll be interesting to see what, what happens. When will they decide on the locations, the plans for next year? When is that meeting or meetings? When are they, when are they a, held? That's a great question. So I, I don't know that when the high school league makes that decision. That's a that's a good question. I know, like I said, we're going to give them our feedback from our coaches, coaches mm-hmm. association, and, you know, and then, of course, I'm sure the athletic directors will have their input and the executive committee, and they'll make the best decision uh, that they feel is the right thing for everybody. They didn't call you the Wizard of Westwood for nothing back in the day. <laughs> no, nobody called me that, Phil. <laughs> Just, well, I'm calling you that. You, you might not be the original one, but it still fits. The Wizard of the local Westwood. Uh, now over at Spring Valley, uh, we've had a blast doing this segment. I hope you'll make plans to do it again with us next basketball season. Absolutely. Can't wait. Coach, thank you. Enjoy the championship weekend, and we'll see you down the road. That will be great. Thank you, Phil. Y'all have a great night. Thanks, you Coach. too, sir. Thank you very much. Coach John Combs used to coach at Westwood, uh, Spring Valley, now the AD at Spring Valley. I should have come up with that earlier, the Wizard of Westwood. It just dawned on me that – it fits. He could be the Wizard of Westwood. Okay, let's go to the break, and we'll come back. And uh, what will we do? 
maybe take a couple of phone calls, uh, go over some basketball scores. we got Mark Kingston coming up. Oh, I know what we'll do. We'll hear from Brad Brownell as well while we're talking basketball. Talk about that Clemson win last night over a very good Pittsburgh team. Tigers move to 23 in the net this uh, this day from yesterday to today. I think it's 23 in South Carolina at 48 going into their game tonight against Texas A&M. Tigers actually picked up a quad one win overnight because of what happened uh, in a game somewhere else where a team that they beat uh, moved into quad one or something like that to give the Tigers a quad one victory. We'll be back after the break. Hi, yes, uh, I'll have the club sandwich and house salad. You got it, sweetie. I'll throw in a pair of designer sunglasses as well. Um, just lunch, thanks. How about a week at my boss's oceanfront villa? What? When you join the South Carolina Education Lottery's Players Club, you get way more than you expect. More chances, more wins, and more surprises. Today's special, a trip to low Earth orbit in a private spaceship. Join the Players Club at seeducationlottery.com because more happens here. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. I'm Lisa Hosteller-Brown. Did you know it's possible to avoid probate court after you die, regardless of what you own? Why put your loved ones through a long, stressful public process when there are better options for your family? Visit LawyerLisa.com to see how we can help. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. All right, last night up here at Little John Coliseum, Clemson took down Pittsburgh. They were behind early, didn't play very well in the first half, turned it around in the second half and hit some shots and really played some great defense. 28% shooting for Pitt in the second half and 32% for the game. And the Tigers uh, made their move uh, late in the game. It was tight all the way through. Tigers hit a couple of shots there late, built a six, seven point lead and went home from there to the victory. That's number 20 on the year for the Tigers. Back-to-back 20 win seasons for Brad Brunell and Clemson. Uh, certainly uh, very solidly in the NCAA tournament field at this point. Here's some of what Coach Brownell said after the win. That was a terrific win. Um, I think I think Pitt's really good. I think Jeff's done a terrific job with their team and um, – coaching them certainly but also just recruiting the pieces together and getting those guys to play they they play really hard and uh i mean they only had three turnovers in the game you know uh that's just that's well played so we beat a really good team today uh obviously they made shots early uh, i'm proud of our guys i thought our defense was terrific and um you know it's been a lot better than i've probably given it credit for here for the last month or so 
and uh, obviously that's a big part of why we're we're having some success. Um, obviously, the end of the ha- half was huge. The plays down the stretch there at the end of the half to only be down four after they start the game making a bunch of threes, and we're we're having a little bit of a hard time on offense. Um, and then the second half was just uh, I thought we played good basketball for the most part um, on both ends. Again, did our best defensively to to make it hard on them and. I thought we were aggressive and had a good mix uh, to our game. So I thought Jack was phenomenal guarding Henson and uh, just had an unbelievable game defensively. Great to see Josh Beadle come off the bench and, and make a couple of big plays and just provide a spark, which we all know we can do. So uh, this was just a great team win against a really good team. Questions for me? This maybe wasn't quite the physical brawl that Florida State was, but it was still very physical. Yeah. Their guards are quick. How does this set you up for, for playing tournament ball later yeah. on? Playing yeah, th- I mean, it does from the standpoint of this is a tournament team, in my opinion. I mean, they, they those guys can easily get in the tournament and win games. And uh, so just competing well against teams like this um, should give us confidence and, and certainly great experiences. And, uh, you know, it's it's really good experience for some of the guys that, you know, Josh Beatles and Jack Clarks and, and – uh, Guys off our bench, you know, obviously Ian with a huge three. I thought Ian played very well again tonight. Um, you know, some of our, our guys, our ready-made guys, they're Joe and Chase and PJ, those dudes are ready for anything. But some of your other guys, these experiences are, are vital to their confidence. And uh, so this was, again, hopefully a, a big confidence builder for some of them. Brad, how, how clutch was that? I mean, you need a little bit of luck sometimes with that shot. Mm-hmm. There, that Chase. <laughs> Yeah, it was a big one. Um, they guarded our initial action very well. We moved it. Chase got the ball. We were in space, um, and they were there. There was some space there. I thought he was going to go to the basket, but he backed the guy up, and you know that's a shot he's made a little bit this year. And he just made it at halftime against Florida State. It's really the same play, just kind of a chop your feet attack move that a lot of guards make. Um, you know he's played really well these last three weeks, uh, just on both ends, and I think. You know, I talked about this a lot last year that, Chase, you're asking him to do a lot when you're the guarding the point guard and, and you're dealing with all the ball screens on defense and you're being pressured and we got to initiate offense. And, you know, he probably played too much. He played 36 minutes, you know, I think. That's 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 probably four or five too many um, to be as efficient as we want you to be. But thankfully he was up to it um, tonight because I thought he was terrific. Has Jack been the catalyst to this defensive tournament? He's been a big help because of the rebounding. I mean, you think about it. What, he had nine defensive rebounds? And then his ability to switch and guard different people. Um, I mean, his 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 defense tonight was terrific. And, uh, you know, we've used him in a lot of different ways. Probably the common person wouldn't know in terms of being able to switch. And he's guarded point guards. He switched on to the center some at Georgia Tech. Um, so, yes, his – versatility and his his experience i think you know his experience is vital he's just he's an older guy that's played a lot of games been through the wars um i mean how about the pass he made i mean terrific pass okay brad brunell obviously very satisfied very satisfied with his team's performance uh 20 wins on the year for the tigers and they are in the hunt for a top four spot in the acc back in a moment
Okay, we continue. We continue with Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Busy, busy show. Been up at Clemson for spring football today, a visit with Eric Bagich. And now we turn our attention to the Gamecocks side of things, looking ahead to the big baseball series. I like to call it the base brawl. For it all, nobody else will endorse that, but I don't care. I like it. The base brawl between two of the great programs in the country, both nationally ranked as the best rivalry in all of college baseball. It's been that way for decades, and it will continue to be that way because we love our baseball. We love our baseball rivalry here in South Carolina between the Gamecocks and the Tigers, and one man who's helping to keep it going, USC baseball coach Mark Kingston, joining us here live on Sports Talk tonight. Coach, welcome in. It's great to have you with us. Hey, Phil. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Well, up here at Clemson today, though they apparently they do it for other teams as well, but they were having a little scrimmage. They were playing uh, Sandstorm and uh, Crowing Rooster and, and everything else, getting ready for Friday night down at your place. Uh, mentally, uh, they're getting fired up. How about on your side now that uh, you, you've got everything else behind you and you can focus on the Tigers for three games? We'll be ready to play. I can assure you of that. Our guys are excited uh, for the opportunity to compete, and uh, we will be ready to play. Are you where you hope to be at this stage going into this series? I think every coach always wants more out of their team. I think that's that's pretty normal, but I think all things considered, I like the way our pitching has performed. I think our hitting has been pretty darn good with a chance to get even better. Uh, and I think defensively, we've started to hit our stride. We've had a a couple rough spots early on, but I think we're starting to hit our stride there. So I think all things considered, um, we're a team that's good and getting better. I think everybody was impressed who saw it maybe live in the stadium or saw it on tape or on the stream, the home run that Cassis hit for you yesterday. Has that thing landed yet? No, I don't think so. I think uh, <laughs> the Capitol building, you know, one of the windows might have gone out in the Capitol building as far as that ball went. So that's good to see. You know, Gavin got off to a little bit of a slow start. Uh, but I think over the last uh, probably four to five games, he's he's really started to hit his stride and kind of refound his stroke. So that's, that's a really good thing for us because uh, it just makes our lineup that much deeper. Did you get a – I'm sure you did – the exit velo or the, the distance on that thing, do you recall? I think it was in that 112 range and, and you know, close to 430 feet. So Oof. it was it was legit. It was a yeah. legit shot. Yeah. So as far as your lineup goes, uh, you've been working some different guys uh, in and out. Some guys have gotten really hot and you've stuck with them. What are your plans, leadoff batter, and anything else in your order uh, based on the way guys have been playing here of late? Yeah, we have more than, we have more than nine guys that are capable of starting, and so we have given – multiple guys uh, chances to start I think what you'll see this weekend is pretty similar to what you saw uh, yesterday um, with maybe one exception Uh, so I think we're starting to settle into probably the nine guys but I really feel like our rotation can go 11 12 maybe 13 deep uh, on any one given day whether whether we want to go left-handed or right-handed whether we whether we want to go power or speed um, we can make a, a couple variations but I think I think we're getting close to settling into at least the nine or ten that we'll play on most days. Pitching wise, are you set with the rotations you've gone with so far through the first couple of weekends of the season? Yeah, you I go think with that same a good group? chance you'll see the same three guys. Um, 
what could change is is the weather could potentially change some things. You know, if we if we aren't able to play Friday, um, which it looks like it may be 50-50 at this point, uh, we may decide to do a little something different with our pitching if it only becomes a, a two-game weekend. But, you know, all of that's to be determined based on what the weather's going to do for us. Yeah, I know Coach Backett said uh, administrators have been talking about contingency plans related to the weather. So I don't know if they converse with you at all about that. But it, in your mind, if some things – if you're rained out, have you got some idea in your head how you'd like to make up these games if possible? Yeah, we went through this a couple of years ago where, if you recall, we played them uh, two games. Uh, I, I, I think it was uh, – I think the neutral site game was here, but I, I'm, not, mm-hmm. I'm not for sure. But yep. we played two games, and then we ended up having to go to Clemson late in the season on a Tuesday or Wednesday night uh, as a midweek game. So my guess is that's – I mean, that's the only option you have is to see if some calendar date matches up for a midweek game where both teams can make it work. Um, we've looked at a couple dates, um, but obviously there's a lot of, a lot of things to consider. Uh, other games that week, do you have other midweek games? Uh, is it a Thursday, Friday, Saturday weekend? There's a, lot of, there's a lot of levels that you have to consider before we make any date official that, that seems like it makes sense for both sides. Uh, you're pitching to this point. Uh, ERA, very, very good. A um, lot of strikeouts, uh, very few walks. Are you happy with what you're seeing from your arms? Well, that's what you want, right? You want a low ERA, you want high strikeouts, you want low walks. And mm-hmm. you know, I give Matt Williams, our, our pitching coach, a, a heck of a lot of credit. He's come in and done a really nice job with our guys, getting to know them, getting to figure out how to make them better and get them to be as good as they can be. So, I think the combination of Matt coming in and, and the pitchers we had returning, but also some of our new names, uh, has been so far a really good combination uh, for our pitching staff. I think I think most people would say our pitching is performing better than they expected so far, much like uh, our offense was last year at this time. And that's something we kind of had hoped would happen, and, and so far that's exactly what we're seeing. What are you doing with uh, Dylan Brewer? I mean, are you are you afraid to talk to him or afraid to – I mean, you're just letting him go out there and do his thing. I say that killingly. I know you're coaching him and, and working with him. But, but what about his red-hot start? Uh, what has been the key to that for him? Well, there's no doubt he's playing the best baseball of his life right now. And, you know, sometimes when guys know they're in their last go-around, uh, they kind of – it relieves them of some of that pressure of trying to get to pro ball or feeling like uh, I've got I've to press. You know, I think he's to the point now where he's very comfortable with his role. Uh, he's worked hard on his swing with, with Monty and with Joey, our, our new assistant hitting coach. And his swing is better than it's ever been. I think he's stronger than he's ever been. And mentally, he's in a really good spot. So he's, he's taking great at-bats. He's getting on base a ton. And he's able to steal bases. He's playing great defense in center field. So uh, he's been one of our better players this year so far. You know, you never know how things are going to work out. Correct me if I'm wrong, but, I mean, he was kind of in a battle in uh, the fall and in preseason camp, was he not, to to kind of earn that position? And now he's, of course, taken it and, and run with it. He sure was. Um, as you know, Petri was returning. He was returning. Stone was returning. Uh, we brought in Kennedy Jones and Blake Jackson, and you know, Carson Horning was returning. So the outfield is pretty crowded. And, you know, it, all of them were fighting to, to get a starting spot. And Dylan just, uh, you know, played as well as anybody. And he brings as much to the table as any of them. 
Uh, they all can swing the bat pretty well, uh, but Dylan probably has a leg up on the defensive side, on the speed side. Uh, so that kind of gave him, you know, an edge when if things were equal hitting wise, and then now the the bat has come along to be a really uh, a really bonus as well. So uh, very pleased with his progress. Uh, one thing with Clemson, we talked with Coach Backich about uh, fourteen errors they've committed, most unusual for. Uh, a sound fundamental baseball team that they are. Uh, you guys have committed 10 errors. Again, maybe a little bit unusual for a sound fundamental baseball team that, that you are. Has it been just one of those kind of fluky things that's led to uh, the 10 errors in the first eight games? I think so. You know, and you get early in the season when it's cold and it's windy and, you know, some fluky things can happen. I would guess that they would tell you the same thing. I think we're going to be a very solid defensive team. Uh, I don't know that we'll be the best defensive team in the SEC, but I think we'll be very representative. I think we'll be very solid, and you know, I don't think our defense will get in the way of us winning games uh, most days. should say nine games. You're eight and one after that win yesterday, so let's not shortchange you there. So the series means a ton uh, to the fans, as you well know. Uh, you won it last year, so you know that's a that's a good feeling when you can walk away with a win in the series. What does it mean to you, though, now that you've been kind of entrenched here for these number of years at South Carolina? What does it mean to you and your players to, to play in this series and, if possible, to come away with a victory? I know bigger things are down the road with SEC play, regional play, you hope Omaha, but for the here and now, how important is it to you? Well, I think we want to win. There's no question about it. You know, you know how much it means to your school, to your fans, to your alumni. Uh, and it means a lot to us as coaches and players and everybody that supports us. It means a lot to them. Right? Everybody wants bragging rights in this state, and everybody knows it's one of the most watched series. So the competitive nature is you want to win, period. Uh, and we're going to do everything we can to win. Um, I think the, the flip side of that is both teams will benefit greatly from playing the series. If you look at last year's uh, last year's series, you mentioned how we won, and we ended up going on to – host a regional and play in a super regional for the chance to go to Omaha. And they went on to win the ACC. So it, it will be a benefit to both teams um, regardless of who wins. So I think that's why another reason why it's such a great thing to play. Um, you know, we want to win it and <laughs> make no mistake. Do you find it kind of fun that there'll be, of course, more media attention on this series and practically any other series you'll have, you may have a couple of SEC series re- where it will be packed in, and then, of course, postseason play. But everything is dissected. Every move you make, every move Coach Backich makes, anything that a player does, everything is is broken down and scrutinized here. Um, you enjoy that? You enjoy having that kind of spotlight on you? Yeah, it makes it fun, right? And it just shows the preparation. And uh, we can be second-guessed. He'll be second-guessed. I'll be second-guessed. But I think both – Schools will tell you that we prepare as, as well as you possibly can, and every decision we make will have tremendous amount of preparation and thought behind it. So if, you, if you're confident in your preparation and, and people want to second-guess decisions you made, you know, you, you take it with a grain of salt because you know how prepared you were to make each decision. So uh, I love it. I love, the, I love being in something that has this level of importance. Um, and the great thing about it is it will be a, like a super regional uh, environment yet it doesn't have the finality of if you lose the season's over. Sure. Um, so that's what what makes it really fun. It gets you ready for the rest of the season without knowing, man, if, if it doesn't go our way, the season's over, you still have a long way to go afterwards. 
Before we let you go, let me get your thoughts on Clemson. Canarella is having a fabulous start. He's been a little dinged up, but he is going to play. Uh, they're having to go to their number two catcher right now because of an injury there. Um, their pitching is pretty solid. Gordon is not going to be in the rotation, but he is back throwing now and, and starting midweek. So I guess number one key is Canarella. you got to kind of keep him off the bases and not let him set the table for them. Yeah, it all it starts with him for sure. I mean, he's a tremendous player. Uh, he's a big pro prospect. He's an All American, uh, and and he kind of makes their offense go in the leadoff spot. So you've got to respect that. And uh, you know, but they've also got some other uh, good weapons in their lineup as well. Pitching wise, they've got good arms. Uh, you know, guys we faced in the past, but they also have some new guys that are that are having a nice impact for them. So it's going to be good baseball. You've got two teams that are you know ranked in the top. 10 to 12 in most polls, and so it's going to be a lot of good baseball. Well, we hope the weather will give us a doggone break. Be ashamed to interrupt this thing over the weekend, so we'll cross our fingers and hope for the best. And, Coach, as always, we appreciate it. Uh, have a great weekend. Look forward to seeing you out there, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow at your own press conference uh, to preview it some more. Thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Coach. Coach Mark Kingston, Gamecock Baseball. And they're ready to get it on with the Tigers this weekend. And uh, can't wait. Always enjoy this weekend as much as, as anything else that we have, the football rivalry, the basketball game, whatever the case may be. This is a little traveling circus in my mind, the way you move it from, from place to place. This year it goes from Columbia's Founders Park to Columbia's Segra Park, where Clemson will be the home team for the uh, – the middle game this year and then up here to Doug Kingsmore Stadium to wrap it up on Sunday. We do hope if the weather uh, does cooperate. Okay. Thank you to the coaches. We really appreciate them being on with us and uh, letting us talk them up and talk up this series and hopefully generate uh, more excitement about things leading into the weekend. Okay, basketball-wise, let's update some basketball scores. It's a Florida this is big for South Carolina, of course. Florida right on their heels, and Florida is leading Missouri 49-40. It's in the second half. Auburn and Tennessee locked up in a good one, as you would expect, in Knoxville. Bet you that place is rocking. Um, either way here, if South Carolina can win, uh, they're going to benefit. Of course, they're going to play Tennessee here coming up. They don't get another shot at Auburn. Auburn's 10-4, and and Tennessee's 11-3. and So whoever lose loses if Auburn loses that's going to give South Carolina a little more breathing room over them Tennessee loses the Gamecocks have a chance to catch up with Tennessee anyway it's Auburn 35 and Tennessee 34 that's late in the first half Duke is leading Louisville 34 21 they're approaching halftime there upstate with a 39 30 lead on Presbyterian at the half high point leading Winthrop uh, 36-32, that's late in the half. Radford on top of Charleston Southern, 38-31, that's at the half. Western Carolina uh, trailing, make that Furman leading. Let's go that way with it. Furman leading Western, 32-30, they're at the half. East Tennessee leading the Citadel at the half, 38-29. It's Wofford over Samford, 37-29 at the half. And midway through the first half with Chris Bergen on the call, Arkansas State is leading Coastal Carolina 24-15. You got USC Alabama coming up later on the SEC Network. 
Also, Alabama at Ole Miss, Virginia at Boston College. I guess we've got some college baseball. We can check on those scores for you as well. Uh, in the meantime, let me double-check and see if there's anything. Uh, Pat, is Gamecock Larry still with us, or have they finally put him to bed for the night? He is still with us, and I bet he would love to follow behind Coach Kingston to talk about his Gamecocks. Okay, let's take a swing at Gamecock Larry, then we'll bring you some baseball scores. Gamecock Larry, you know you have the honor of being the only caller taken tonight on Sports Talk. Welcome in. Do you know I had the honor to be on hold for one hour and 49, 49 minutes? You thought the whole game cock was going to get tired. I did those off about four times. <laughs> but that's a, I, but I woke up, I had to wonder to them what it had to do. But I still heard you, so I knew you didn't cut me off. Yes. But let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to give you a prediction on this weekend's game, but I'm going to tell you something first about the sports at the University of South Carolina, the Gamecocks. They, we are the only school in the end. I might have told you this before. I don't know. Mm. But anyway, the only school in the NCAA that's got six sports in the top. 20. We got men and, men and women's basketball, ladies' softball, men's baseball, golf, and tennis. Six teams in the top, six different sports in the top 20. Mm. The only school in the NCAA. Now, what's the prediction on this weekend, Mr. Phil? I'll say. We're going to go 3 0. Oh, what a Got surprise. What a surprise. I don't, you know, I mean, how do you pick at this stage? Neither team has had a real strong challenge. I mean, they've been behind in a couple of games here and there. I mean, Clemson's come back from behind six times to win, so maybe they've had a few more challenges than the Gamecocks have. The Gamecocks haven't played great opponents to this point, so we're really going to learn more about them. I would say that, at least on paper, uh, to me, at least on paper, and I've seen, I I am prejudiced here because I've seen South Carolina more in person. I haven't seen Clemson in person, so I don't really know the personnel as well. But South Carolina's got some offense, and their pitching has been good. So I could see the Gamecocks winning two in Columbia, and Clemson maybe getting that third game here. If we stay on schedule, then again, that third game would be that would be Kimball pitching for South Carolina, I believe, and he's pretty nasty. So I'm not suggesting a sweep, but I think right now, just looking at things, I would lean South Carolina's way in this series. And I also have to be wondering a little bit about Clemson with their their defensive issues. I say issues, 14 errors. You can't overlook that right now, um, but. If Clemson gets great pitching and shuts down that Gamecock hitting and gets their own hitting going, it could be the other way around. I hate to be wishy-washy because you have to be wishy-washy with baseball because you don't know what you're going to get on the mound from game to game. So just looking at it on paper, though, I would lean a little bit towards the Gamecocks. If we don't sweep out by 100.7, a dinner anywhere. Whoa, 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 whoa. Did I hear him right, Pat? Say it again. If the Gamecocks do not sweep, I will buy dinner anywhere 
for the 107 points, 100.7 crew in it to anywhere, anytime. You're going to pay for the whole staff? I'll pay for the whole staff anywhere. I got, I got coupons. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Love it, Larry. Love all y'all. All All right, Larry. Thank you very much. Going to take you up on that and take you up on that. Uh, This afternoon, Vanderbilt is leading Evansville seven to two. Ole Miss is leading Missouri State eight to three. Miami over Florida Gulf Coast seven to four. Michigan State and Georgia. Georgia's undefeated. They're tied at six in the fifth. Florida leading Bethune-Cookman five to nothing. Virginia nine nothing over VM and I. A uh, couple of other quick notes I want to get to before we say goodnight. A couple of things that I put to the side here I wanted to touch on. New head football coach at Wagner Sally High School is, love the name, Blaze Gillespie. Been an assistant coach at uh, Camden High School. He's also coached in North Carolina. Football officials are discussing what to do with recruiting in December. A month that's become overwhelming for coaches. So they are considering proposals that would um, have a signing period in June and make December pretty much a dead month so that teams can focus on their bowl preparation or their playoff preparations. And so that's something that's being discussed right now. Three signing periods, in fact. Um, The last Wednesday in June, the Wednesday following the regular season, and the first Wednesday in February. This from Pete Thimmel of the uh, ESPN people. Uh, The colleges with the NFL players who are making combined the most money. Who do you think is number one on that list, Pat? Which school has NFL uh, players, alums who are NFL players combined making the most money? Hmm, the most money. Well, that makes me think who has produced the most quarterbacks with massive contracts. In recent years, that makes me kind of lean towards Oklahoma. Hmm. Alabama, ah. $1.5 billion dollars in contracts for their NFL players. Ohio State, $1.4 billion. This is billion with a B. LSU, $1.2 billion. Georgia, $922 million. Clemson is fifth, $912 million. I wonder if Alabama's counting Jalen Hurts as part of Alabama. Because I, I could see him being counted for both Alabama or Oklahoma. Just thinking about those big quarterback contracts out there. Interesting, Good Alabama. Good point. And let's see. Um, waiting to see if there's anything new regarding the story about Mike Furry and him having the offer from South Carolina. Uh, John Whittle reported that Furry interviewed for the position Monday of this week. And, of course, the uh, Gaffney Ledger also had a story about him having the opportunity to come to South Carolina there is a, a board of trustees meeting tomorrow about uh, a contract, an athletic department contract. They don't specify who's it f- who it is for, so um, I'm trying to think. Um, it wouldn't be Lamont Paris during the season, I wouldn't think. Why not? That's the only other big one I could think of, of a major name 
mm. that we've all talked about in terms of contract. Why not? I mean, it's a great recruiting tool. It's a great uh, confidence uh, indicator. Great for enthusiasm for the program heading down the stretch. Fair point. That's a possibility. So, according to John Whittle, the, the, the signs that he is seeing all point to Furry being the next receivers coach. So, that's still out there. I tell you, that would be a heck of a hire. You might turn your nose down because he's coming from Limestone. Forget that. Forget that. This guy's a heck of a football coach and a heck of an individual. Huge hire if it comes to pass for the Gamecocks. See you tomorrow night.